0: G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another Sports by Fry podcast hosted by yours truly. Uh, My name is Fry and I am back covering AFL Fantasy yet again. We've got nine games of JLT in the books, nine to go this weekend. Should be another ripper weekend of footy, but let's be honest, we're not all watching it for the football, we're watching it for the fantasy numbers. And there were some pretty telling fantasy numbers that came out of last week's action. Um, I was going to try and cover a hell of a lot about the rookies, but I'm going to dive in a little bit about some important names, standouts from the weekend, after JLT2, probably Tuesday or maybe even Wednesday next week. Uh, Is there a game? No, there's a game on Monday, so Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Um, I will probably release my top five. I'll do an article, podcast, and maybe even a YouTube video. Of rookies that I'd pick in each position Um, If you don't know by now I'm covering the rookies for the Dream Team Talk Boys this year, super excited Big responsibility, but uh, hopefully I'm up for the challenge I Hope you stayed uh, JLT strong over the weekend Because I certainly did not if you check out YouTube, you'll see there's a video that I recorded of a couple of chops and changes I made with my team. Some were forced, some were a couple of other rookie shuffles. I'm going to talk about rookies, of course. got a bunch of questions. Thank you very much for the people that hit me up on social medias through Facebook, Twitter and Insta. If you uh, have a question throughout the season or pre-season still, feel free to hit me up at Sports by Fry. All one word, but without further ado, let me dive into the all-important Rookie Watch. So I sent out the call to fantasy coaches around Australia, around the globe, not just Australia. I don't like to discriminate, because I myself was a fantasy coach from Canada last year. Um, I sent it out oh, about 12 hours ago now, but I'm recording this a little bit later than expected, Got uh, hung up doing a bit of research and on the phone to mum. Rule number one for uh, AFL fantasy coaches, always make time for mum. I am going to start in defence. And one of the more impressive performances on the weekend was from a young Albany fella named Jordan Clark for the Geelong Cats. Uh, Led the team, or actually led the game with nine rebound 50s. I didn't actually watch a hell of a lot of this one, but I did see that he had 78 points. Just over 80% time on ground, so pretty good for him. I know that Zach tui throughout the preseason has been talked about potentially missing round one and been under a bit of an injury cloud. And under, uh, from what I believe and a couple of things I've read, I don't think he'll be playing this JLT either. So if he's not named round one, it makes sense for the Cats to start with Clark. And if he is named, then that's a bonus. Does come at a little bit of a cost. He's not... Super expensive, mind you, but rookies that uh, drafted high are always a little bit dearer than we like. 242 grand, he'll set you back, but he's probably, oh, I don't know, I don't want to say the most popular rookie cash cow in the back line at the moment, but he's definitely shown a fantasy uh, instinct, and uh, I, I'm bullish on him. I like the looks of him. Another bloke in that same game, actually who uh, put his hand up potentially for selection was Francis Watson, basement-priced defender. He did have 10 tackles, did have about 95 points. Not about, 95 exactly. So he faces a bit of a tough task to crack into that Eagles Premiership side and their best 22. However, if the West Coast coaches like the looks of him and he has another strong performance this weekend against the Dockers, there's no reason why we couldn't see Francis Watson start the season Probably doesn't warrant a spot on your field. His ownership has spiked with his performance on the weekend, but he's definitely a bench play for sure. Next up, I'm going to talk about Sam Collins, who's currently in my side, currently in a lot of sides, actually, the former Fremantle docker. I don't really know why Freo let him go. I always liked Sammy Collins, but he is currently in nearly a quarter of teams, 22%. Similar to Jordan Clark, he's around that 240 price mark, so he does set you back a little bit. I, uh, when I made a couple of changes, did have Collins and Clark as my D5 and D6 on my field. And Collins had 65 points, played almost all of the game. So I do like the looks of Sammy Collins. If you only had to choose between one, Clark or Collins, I'd probably side with Jordan Clark, only because I feel like he'll get a little bit more of the ball. Collins is a key position type of guy, I might be forced to play a bit closer to goal, especially if the Suns are on the end of some drubbings. So watch this space with that one. Uh, Connor Rosie, another big name who's in that similar price tier, one of the more expensive rooks. He didn't really have a great game. 49 he managed from about three quarters of the game. So we probably wanted to see a little bit more for those who warranted starting him. Is a defender forward, which is very, very handy. But in saying that, Port Adelaide didn't look like the hell of a lot has changed from their game plan from last... Yeah, yeah, I'm not not super happy with Rosie's performance. Not in my side. Could understand if you take the punt on him if he has another great game. But for now, I think he's a little bit too expensive. And especially with the 170k options out there, it's not like we're pressed for choice. So I think it's wise to hold out and uh, probably part ways with Rosie if he's in your thinking. Maybe for Clark or Collins if you don't have one of those two. One dude who did start was another cheap defender, Harrison Jones from the Hawks. According to AFL, I think it was Dream Team Apologies if it wasn't AFL Dream Team on Instagram I saw a graphic talking about the centre bounce attendances from the weekend I'm just going to double check because I hate to give the wrong person credit here But Harrison Jones had 15 centre bounce attendances So that's great obviously for his potential ceiling It was AFL Dream Team, give him a uh, follow if you have not done so Good uh, page, offers a lot of valuable insight for fantasy coaches So yeah, if uh, he can be playing in the midfield a hell of a lot Not only will that mean that his defender status probably will see him add midfield status, but he could score pretty decently as well. Had 79 on the weekend, had 21 touches, so he's in my back line and could probably sit next to Franny Watson on the bench uh, if you'd like. If you don't have those two in your defender bench spots, you probably have Marty Hoare, the kick-happy demon, who we all thought was going to be a great pick. Managed 53 on the weekend, so it's not like he stunk it up. We do have to keep a bit of a realistic expectation with these rookies. They're not going to go out there and all be Sam Walsh, who I'll talk about briefly. I don't want to blow too much more smoke up his ass. Everyone's talked about him enough. But back to Marty Hoare, the D's kick-in specialist. Had six kick-ins, played on from five of them, so he knows what he's doing, knows his fantasy stuff. Did play a good chunk of the game, so I think if he's named round one, you could almost play him on your field. I uh, don't know off the top of my dome. I might look it up to see who the Ds have in round one. But if you do start with Marty Hoare, I think he's going to be a good cash cow for this season. they got the power, so the Demons do. So not a terrible idea keeping Marty Hoare in your calculations. Last bloke I'm going to talk about very quickly is Isaac Quainer, who is another potential round one debutante. Now, he didn't dominate the game, but I did cover this game for the uh, Dream Team Talk Boys in the JLT notes section and I watched him had a 48 from two thirds of the game on the ground so like I said not great fantasy numbers but did look very poised There was a couple of times where he's a little bit slow and rushed with his disposal but when he had a little bit of space and time he did make too many stuff ups I think Quain is a little too expensive especially because I've already mentioned Clark and Collins as other guys who could fill in that uh, higher priced role but yeah, if Quainer comes out and dominates in JLT2 and gets a berth, then I can't blame you for starting with him. Okie dokie, let's talk about midfielders. Uh, this will be very quick, because we all know how good Sam Walsh was. Scored a ton, looked very impressive. Was quite astonished, because I didn't watch the game. Maybe if you watched, you can say for I. But uh, he only had three center bounce attendances, and still managed to just absolutely chop. So... I wrote about him this preseason for Dream Team Talk Boys. I gotta I was saying Dream Team Talk, DT Talk. You know who they are—the traders. I wrote about him this preseason on their site. I said he's worth the extra 100k. I think uh, my point's been proven. A bloke who is basement price compared to 270 is Charlie Constable from the Geelong Cats. He had a pretty impressive 90 for Geelong on the weekend. Considering he's only 170 grand, I think he's got to be in your starting calculations. On your field, sure, bench maybe could warrant a spot if you're going a little bit thinner. But I think on your field's fine, especially if he's named round one. If he gets a lot more centre bounce numbers and he can play heavy midfield minutes, then he could be a great cash cow. I don't want to go saying he's uh, this year's Tim Kelly, but uh, he looks pretty lively. I like the looks of him. Another cheap basement guy who is on most dudes' benches, or maybe even on your field, he's on mine at the moment, is Brett Bewley. Didn't have a fantastic game for the Dockers. However, it's worth pointing out that he only spent about, oh, from memory, it was like 9 to 10% of the first half on the actual ground. He did clock up most of his minutes in the second half and had 57 points, 46 fantasy points in the second half, but it was very hot up in up between the Pies and Dockers, so... Take it with a bit of grain of salt, him performing very well against tired legs and guys who've been out there for three quarters when he, ch- he chopped in the last quarter. Don't know if that means he's going to miss round one. I think it's probably Ross just getting him a bit acclimated to footy. Hopefully he plays more time on ground in the West Coast game this weekend and we'll get a real look at Bewley. But considering he scored for 57 from less than 40% time on ground, I think he's fairly safe to keep in your sides. Nick Hind, another bloke we've seen in our midfield, 31 from 58% time on ground. Not what we wanted to see. Kind of floated in and out of the action, and to be honest, I forgot he was playing for periods of time. But that's okay. Not all cash cows are created equally, so Hind could have a great second JLT game that'll boost his ownership. But he might want to start thinking other calculations. There's plenty of options throughout the midfield. However, let's not overreact. I know I just kind of contradicted myself there, but... Yeah, not a great score, that's okay. He is going to be a first-year player. We do need to, like I said, not over-expect a lot from these rookies. There's a lot of mature ages out there who should get regular games, and job security is probably the most important asset for a cash cow. Flipping my attention back to the Geelong Eagles game for a minute, and Tommy Atkins, another hard nut uh, midfielder who's basement priced, didn't have a fantastic game, but... He did play a lot of it, which is a good sign. Don't know if it means he's going to be in line for a round one debut. I mean, Geelong's midfield's pretty choppers, but he scored 61. Hard worker around the stoppages. They've talked him up quite a bit this preseason. I covered him in my uh, DT Talk preseason preview, the pre-JLT chat, I guess you could call it. And, yeah, I don't know if he warrants a starting spot. Not in a hell of a lot of teams before last weekend, but he's in about 20% of teams now, so... He could finally get his chance at AFL level. And as Geelong continues to rejig their on-ball group, whether that means Ablock forward more or Danger forward as well or Kelly on a wing or whatever, if Atkins is named, I think he's a fairly safe play. I'd have Constable over him and Buley over him. He and Nick Hind probably level pegging for me right now. But I'd have to dive into the numbers a little bit heavier to give you a full grasp of the topic. Uh, Luke Derby's UNIAC had 27 touches, Only played 60% of the game and scored 81. Not my cup of tea. (laughs) I know that 27 touches sounds good, because high possessions means higher fantasy scores, obviously, but he only averaged 40 last year, we do need to remember. Played against what I think is a pretty average St Kilda team. Full credit to LDU for going out there and chalking up a ton of the footy, but very, very interested to see how he goes in the second JLT game If he doesn't really perform Then I don't think you can plan on starting with him They've got the power this week So there's a couple of bigger bodies in that power midfield could just come out and chop again, touches-wise, but I'll be very interested to see what his fantasy scores look like. Speaking of the power, how's this for a transition? I didn't even mean to do this. Zaki Butters was the top scorer for Port Adelaide on the weekend against the Crows. I selfishly wanted him to slide to the Dockers pick, but uh, I digress. Had 93 in 70% time on ground. Could be a round one bolter. Comes at a bit of a cost at 248k, so I know I've just talked about a few cheaper options, so... Might not be the smartest play in that regard, but if he comes out and dominates again for Port Adelaide and then it looks like he's going to get regular games, you might want to start with him. I think the smart decision, even if he's named round one, is probably just to hold out a little bit. See how he goes in real footy? Because at 248, his price is only going to go up and we can get on him early if he does seem like a star. But uh, yeah, full credit to Zachy Butters. Dominated against the Crows. Jack Ross was someone who nearly went at, oh, it's not a point a minute. He went at one point per percentage he spent time on ground, if that's even a thing. Uh, 60 from 59% TOG he had. We'll find it very tough to crack into the Tigers' midfield rotation, obviously, but looked all right. He's been talked up. If you listen to the game, Dermot was a big fan of uh, Jack Ross. And at 170K, if he's named, could be worth a bench spot, especially if some of the aforementioned guys aren't in there. Again, I think he's a bit of a wait and see Along with the Bulldogs midfielder, mature ager Will Hayes Hayes went at 59 from 59% time on ground as well Did look pretty decently Do like the looks of this kid Don't know, well, when I say kid Let's remember he is about 22, I think, 23 But he was the last pick in the draft this year He averaged 26 touches and won Footscray's best and fairest last year. So the Bulldogs are familiar with him. They wouldn't have drafted him and given him a chance if they didn't think he was a scrub. So if we see him named throughout this year, I think he could be a decent player who can generate us some money. Probably doesn't warrant starting, like Ross and Butters, who I just talked about. But one to keep your eye on for sure. Alright, this one won't be too long. The Ruck Department. Zach Clark is now in 16% of teams after his 104 on the weekend. Let's not forget he was playing without Tommy Bell Chambers. He was going up against a weaker Carlton unit, and I don't think he's going to get 37 hitouts this weekend against Geelong. Could do. Geelong doesn't have a great ruck brigade, but 270k is a lot to play to play to pay for Clark if he's going to be on your bench, and it's a serious risk to have him on your field. I know there's a lot of fluctuation happening in R two, and everyone's well, not everyone, but some people are have the idea of Shane Mumford bailing them out of trouble if this Clark experiment or maybe even Tim English fails to fire, who's out of my team now. Sure, Speaker knows a great person, but, uh, yeah, I really wanted to see him go well. He's been one of the blokes I've been all over this preseason. I was backing him in, and he's dished up a pile of mud against Jared Wits and the Suns, so probably shouldn't have uh, attacked Tim English. Anyway, I'm waffling. Um, Clark, risky R2 play, probably not for me. He's going to go up against the Cats this weekend. And speaking of the Cats, Darcy Fort is a very, very popular bench option right now. Had 39 from just over half of a game last week. Split time with Reese Stanley. And let's be honest, R3 and R4 are almost throwaway positions, but he should be in one of them. Matty Flynn could be another one who played for the Giants this weekend. Had 35 from 65% time on ground, so... Those two should definitely be in your bench calculations at the ruck spot, along with Darcy Cameron, who obviously didn't play on the weekend. Finally, before some Q&A, turning my attention to the forwards. Now, one dude who might not be in a lot of people's radar is Jiren Mears Myers from the Cats. Uh, let me quickly double-check this. I know I probably shouldn't... Uh type and uh, podcast at the same time we're going to try and kill two birds with one stone here because i remember reading something about him in the under 18s or before he was drafted about kicking 10 goals similar to a uh, steel side bottom performance seven goals sorry led the falcons to a tac cup flag with seven snags in the grand final steel side bottom had 10 in the grand final from memory uh, way back in the day so this myers kid could prove to be an option basement price 73 on the weekend, 87% time on ground Not obviously going to be a starting option Could be, I mean if he's named then power to him He may prove me wrong But I think he'll be a throughout the season downgrade And a potential cash cow who will poke his head up later in the year But like I said, had some solid game Had 18 touches, kicked a goal So did a little bit, did enough to uh, warrant adding to your watch list That's all I'll say one bloke who's also probably on your watch list from that same game is Jack Petricelli, who has been flagged as the Mark Lacroix replacement. Only had 39 from 62% time on ground. He was a very hot name. I kind of reaction really, if that's a word, added him into my team after I heard he might steal Lacroix's spot, but only had nine touches. Doesn't seem like a high possession getter, so I. Think it's safe to ditch him, even if he is named in round one. But if the options, bench options, dry up, he may deserve that F8 spot. (laughs) Um, Right now, probably, though, your F8 or F7 is dominated by Matthew Parker, who, from the St Kilda Saints, is in 18% of teams now. Had 56 on the weekend from 81% game time. Had a game-high 33 pressure axe. So, while his points might not look fantastic... Remember, 50 to 60-odd is probably what we're going to expect from the majority of rookies. And if he's on your bench or maybe even in that last forward spot, he seems like he's going to be a round one debutant. And another bolter, pun intended, for a round one spot is Noah Bolter of the Richmond Tigers. He is now in over 13% of teams after his mammoth performance against the D's. He had 70 at halftime, was taking some strong marks, had this passage of play where he handballed it over his head and avoided two dudes on the boundary. He ran from about the wing to the pocket. Ended up kicking a behind, but if he had kicked a goal, it would have been early nominee for JLT player of the year, if that's even a thing. But Noah Bolter, 77% time on ground. 98. <clears throat> Let me try again. 98 he finished with. Looks like the backup ruck spot behind Nank if Soldo gets pushed out of the team. We'll be very, very interested to see how he looks this weekend because as we know... Tom Lynch is going to be out, well, not confirmed, but seems likely to be out for round one. So Richmond has the Hawks this weekend in the JLT contest. Could, could cement a spot in the side with another strong showing against Hawthorne. All right, a few more. Lastly, I'm going to touch on Burgess, Christopher Burgess from the Suns. 61 he had from 68% time on ground. Looks like another key Suns player for their rebuild nothing wrong with starting him in defence or forward, really. He's in my forward line right now, but with that DPP and that dual position flexibility, couldn't really blame you for flicking him around all over the place. Isaac Rankin, however, is an expensive rookie that I probably won't be taking the punt on now. Reminds me a bit of Sil Rioli and Stephen Motlop in the way he plays. These guys are very, very talented footballers, don't get me wrong, but they're... how do I summarize it. They're not great fantasy players, you know what I mean? Their special talents can impact the game like an X-Factor type of player. Might only have 15 touches and 3 goals, but you'll see all 15 of his touches. Isaac Rankin kicked a pretty serious snag from the pocket on the weekend, so only scored 22 though, including that goal, so spent nearly two-thirds of the game on the ground, which doesn't really give us great uh, optimism of high scores in the future. Alrighty, that is it for a little bit of a rookie preview. I know that there were some guys I probably skimmed over and some guys I missed, and there were other guys who didn't play who I didn't talk about. But like I said, after next week's action, we'll have a lot more of a sample size and I'll be able to give you probably the top five, might even do like top three starters and top three for your watch list or something like that. I'll figure it out, but I'll cover it in a bit more depth is what I'm saying. Time to get into some Q and A. Thank you to the people who hit me up with questions. Some people got very greedy and asked more than one question. So I'm going to start with one such person in Nick James who asked, number one, keep or drop merit? Number two, is Toronto worth looking at? And number three, Travis Varco, question mark. Let me quickly get the Varco one out of the way. Had three goals in his 102 on the weekend. Not my cup of tea. Played a lot of the... Well, actually, from memory, I don't think he did play a lot of the game. But anyway, draw a line through Travis Varco. If you want to go a really cheap option, I'd rather have his teammate in Jamie Elliott. Um, tracking back to the first question, Zach Merritt. He's out of my sight at the moment. I've been on record saying that I had doubts about how everyone in that midfield could score in the Bombers midfield with Andy McGrath supposedly getting more time and Dylan Scheel arriving, and I'm sure there's four other dudes who I forgot who've been pegged for more midfield time this preseason, but with Merritt on a wing, didn't look great. I don't think he's hurt. I don't think we need to overreact a hell of a lot, but... I've had my doubts about him already this preseason, so for that reason, I've ditched him. If you've really, really backed him in, you've had him since day one, they're one, he's one guy that you knew that you wanted in your team. Remember, he is a decent fantasy player. He scored 117 and 119 only a few years ago, so don't overreact. Stay JLT strong if you're a believer, but definitely everyone should monitor his status this weekend. Tim Taranto, worth looking at absolutely. Now, keep in mind, most of his big scores he's had have come while some combination of Josh Kelly, Steve Canelio, or Jacob Hopper have been out of the side. However, Taranto is someone that we need to keep an eye on. I personally don't think I can do it at 660 grand, but there is upside in that Giants midfield. We've seen Kelly dominate, we saw Cornelio dominate last year, and Taranto chopped up with 140 against Sydney this weekend, so did have a pretty good all-round game. Tackles and marks, or high numbers in tackles and marks are always a good sign of a good fantasy player. And he had 10 marks and 7 tackles to go with his 30 touches. 33 to be exact. So definitely worth considering. Don't know if he's in my calculations. Um, only because I'm probably going to go with a little bit of a cheaper midfield to upgrade over Tim English and have a, a bonafide starter at the second ruck spot. But if you can fit him in, he could be worth taking a punt on. Watch this weekend. Transitioning to another question that has to do with Taranto's giant teammate, actually. What about Heath Shaw as an option? That came via Checkmate FC at Twitter. Heath is definitely an option. Now, I don't want to get uh, lulled into a false sense of s- security by his 119 points on the weekend, but long-time uh, Sports by Friar listeners will know JLo, who will be appearing again on the podcast uh, in the near future, but he has been a big Heath Shaw fans started with him last year. Plans on starting with him this year at this point. And he definitely proved us right in the game against the Swans. Had 28 touches with 23 kicks, which is a bonus, and 12 marks. I think we saw vintage peak Heath Shaw. So I don't know if he can go over this. Be interesting to see if he backs it up against the Crows. Priced at 90, uh, 86. sorry. Don't know if he warrants starting, but... Uh, yeah, he's definitely an option. Not in my calculations, but there are dudes out there who will take the punt on Heath Shaw and he could prove those fans right. Next question comes from Callum Brown. He snuck in too, as well, actually. So the first one was about uh, Callum Sinclair. Is he a sneaky ruck option? Not the worst option out there, that's for sure. With plenty of uncertainty at that R2 spot, people are trying to find a bit of hidden value. Did score 98 on the weekend, only played 80% of the game, but similar to the Zach Clark thing, remember he was only rucking against Dawson Simpson and Matthew Flynn. Faces a bit of a tougher task this weekend against Jared Witts of the Suns, so could average around 85 to 90, that's not unprecedented, but I think he's probably going to average a little bit below what he's priced at now. Should be a stable ruck, though, so he could—he definitely is a sneaky option, and he could be a viable option. Watch his JLT game this week, though, because uh be very interesting to see how he goes up against another big body in Jared Witts. The second question he asked was, thoughts on Brad Crouch at M4 and Libba at M5? Absolutely nothing wrong with that, mate. I had that in my team after the weekend as well. I've kind of... Since then, gone back and taken Liber out and replaced him with Anthony Miles, who was in my M5 spot for most of the preseason. So I'm sticking JLT strong there. Don't know if he'll stay there, but yeah, Crouch at M4, nothing wrong with that. We all expect him to average triple figures. I was skeptic, I was a skeptic about what Brad Crouch could do, but after his game on the weekend, all I needed to see him do was run around and look like an option. Looked injury free. I was worried that he with his injury history, might break down again, which could happen. But let's be honest, he's not going to be on our sides all year. You get two trades a week. If he hurts himself, trade him out. Cal, I actually am going to give credit to for pointing that out because I asked this question earlier in the preseason from memory on the Traders podcast. And he said, you get two trades a week, may as well use them. So kudos to Cal, the big Brad Kerouche fan. (laughs) Rhett Weeks asked via Twitter, who are the best rookies apart from Walsh, Constable and Gibbons? Good question, because let's be honest, everyone probably has those three. Right now in defense, I like the looks of Clark, as I've spoken, and Sammy Collins. Harrison Jones is someone to definitely keep an eye on and probably deserves a bench spot, along with Marty Hoare. In the midfield, if you're not going with those guys, Constable, Gibbons, Walsh, it's, it depends a little bit, because it comes down to if you want to pay up for some of the higher draftees who probably have better job security, like Bailey Smith from the Dogs, who had a pretty average game, Or someone like Tommy Atkins, who had a solid game but might not have as good job security. Someone like Zach Butters, who I talked about. It'll depend a little bit to see who's named in that midfield group. But I do like Sam Walsh and Constable. I do like Bewley, who I've spoken about as well. Nick Hind needs to kind of, uh, not dominate, but show a little bit more for us if we want to seriously consider him. But yeah, there's probably the guys I'd think. Willem Drew is someone to consider. From Port Adelaide I didn't cover him But he could be Oli Wines's replacement Didn't have a fantastic game in the weekend But could be one to watch For sure In the rucks Zach Clark Is probably Technically a cash cow At 270 Your best option But I wouldn't be starting A 270k guy Or less In R2 And you must have Brody Grundy in R1 And up forwards uh, Bolter Burgess Matthew Parker Petrucelli may be an option, could definitely uh, warrant selection. Ben Cavara from the Dogs and Shane McAdam are two guys who didn't play last weekend but could emerge as potential choices. And if you don't have Will Setterfield, then you need to get him any your side. So they're probably, right now, some of the cash cows that I'm looking at. Next one came from James South via Facebook. I had my doubts about Max Gorn when Proust joined the Demons, but after the first JLT match... I'm thinking it won't have as heavy a bearing. What are your thoughts? Good question. And it's almost impossible to tell until we see the two run out side by side. Gorn is the type of player that can rack up his touches all around the ground, though, and the loss of Jesse Hogan means we could say could see Gorn play a bit more forward. I remember reading an article only about a week ago where Gorn said, basically, whoever isn't the sole ruck will be playing as a resting forward, and Proust did look pretty unstoppable as a, a Key forward, I guess you could say, as a big bullocking man um, in the JLT game. So, what are my thoughts? I don't think it's going to have as great an impact as we all thought it originally would. However, Gorn's not in my side to start the year. Because I don't know what the Proust effect will be like. Similar with Mason Cox and Brody Grundy last year. I didn't start with Grundy because we all thought Cox would have a profound effect on his game. Turns out he didn't, and Cox played a bit more forward. Which might eventuate with Bruce and gone. But until we see him side by side, it's almost it's it's tough to predict. Antonio Michelli, hope I pronounced that right, via Instagram asked, Is Dunkley still worth starting? Perhaps not. As I was uh, scrolling through Twitter and AFL today, an article surfaced saying that Dunkley will probably see more forward time this year. Not great news for someone who we want to have in our starting sides. He only had seven centre bounce attendances Tom Libertore had 15, to put that into perspective. We all know that Bailey Smith, their rookie, will probably see midfield time as well. So that dense Tom Dunkley... Uh, Tom Dunkley, Jesus. Josh Dunkley's potential ceiling. I don't think it's time to give up hope. Remember, we've just seen one JLT game, but he and the Bulldogs are now on record saying that they think Dunkley could spend a bit more time forward. We saw Bontempelli earlier last year kind of spell and play a bit more forward so if he slots into more of a midfield role Dunkley might be the one who misses out I'd tend to look elsewhere Sam Managola is someone I upgraded for over Dunkley earlier this preseason and that's not a terrible option but yeah watch JLT2 and see just how much he's floating around the middle for sure second last question via Twitter Carmen underscore ed asks Taranto and Heaney or Brayshaw and Billings good question tricky question personally I think Isaac Heaney's going to be in for a great year. We saw him in the midfield a little bit. I think Tim Taranto, as I've already spoken about a bit, could have a breakout year. Ceiling might be impacted a little bit if all the Giants midfielders are firing, but I kind of back those two over Brayshaw and Billings. I know that Andrew Brayshaw... Angus Brayshaw, not Andrew. Angus Brayshaw is the talk of the fantasy world right now after his 150 in just 69% of game time, which is... Let's just pay homage to that for a minute. That was ridiculous. But Jack Billings didn't give me as much hope and confidence. So for that reason, I don't have trust in Billings. So I'd side with Taranto and Heaney in that argument. Next up, Sheed the Goat, hard to argue, asked, Is rolling a 2-2-2 defence too weak? Allows me to have a strong midfield with McRae. Not at all. I think that that's probably a good idea. I've toyed with that a little bit over the weekend with my structure. For those wondering what two 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 means, that's having two premium guys, two mid-priced guys, and then two rookies as your six on-field defenders. Uh, defensive structure is a very popular question I'll be getting this preseason, and I've been chopping and changing my structure a bit. I've had three primos and one rook. I've had three mid prices, two primos, two you know I've chopped and changed it all. So two two two. Not a terrible option at all, considering we've got guys like Nick Newman, Luke Ryan, who didn't have a great game, but I think could still be in our radar and calculations a bit. Uh, Zach Williams obviously must have property. Brody Smith looked great on the weekend as well. Those mid price guys give us hope that we don't have to lean on Laird and Whitfield and Jake Lloyd and Alex Witherden. You could probably pick two of those guys and then cash in on some mid-prices. So I don't think it's too weak, especially if it allows you to land McRae. Which leads into my final question by William dillon Tot. I think that's how you said it. Sorry if I butchered that fella. Uh, is McRae a must-have when I can have a better, well-rounded midfield, or is he just too good? This is a very good question. Now, for some people who will remember last year, Tom Mitchell was almost the talk of the town in this regard. I have not stayed JLT strong in this one. I have traded uh, Jack McRae into my side after the weekend. However, I don't think he'll permanently stay there. It's nice to see his name there, but there's a lot of money that you can make by not starting with Jack McRae. Did look like a wrecking ball on the weekend, though, I might add. So I can totally justify starting with him. However, there is a little bit of money that you can use. His break-even's 123. Starts the year against the Swans and then the Hawks, who are two, you know, not world-beaters, but his averages against those guys are in the 90s. Round three, he averages 118 against the Gold Coast Suns. That is the game that I'm targeting to get Jack McRae into my side. I know it's crazy to try and plan trades in round three, considering we don't know what's going on. But I think it's wise to start without McRae and hope that he has a down week or two. And let's be honest, he needs to be in our teams by the end of the year. So whether you start with him or whether you upgrade to him, he's must have property. Right now, though, I think with the other value, as you've pointed out, you can get a better, well-rounded midfield and other helps in other lines saving the cash as well. So he's not a must-have, nice to have, but there's always going to be superstars out there. We saw what Angus Brayshaw did on the weekend. Lots of people jumped on the train and traded him straight into their sides. In fact, let me quickly get up his uh, ownership numbers. There you go, he's in 17% of sides already. So we're going to react to recency bias and McRae did look pretty bloody good on the weekend. However, I don't think he's must-have right now. That's going to do it from another Bumper Sports by Fry episode. A lot of content. Uh, thank you to the people who hit me up with their questions. It was a little bit of a licorice all sorts covering the rookies. I know that there was, was chopping and changing between teams, players, etc. But... I will come with a little bit more of a concrete game plan for next week. I did say at the lead-off that I'll do a top five list, but I might even chop and change it a bit. Do like the top three that you should start with, the top three options for your bench, the top three potential debutantes. Not 100% sure yet, but I will, after JLT2, do a big recap on everything cash cows. Um, hopefully the video that I mentioned at the top will be uploaded by the time this podcast is out there. It is late Wednesday night now. I know, I, like I said, I got a bit carried away with the uh, timing of uh, recording this pod, but it will be out Thursday morning. If the if you visit YouTube and the video is not there, it will be uh, swiftly on its way once I finish work. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Do appreciate it. Make sure you leave a rating and review. Always worth it. Um, more episodes coming in the near future I'm going to the Dream Team Talk event on Friday with the boys so might even record a bit of a dusty uh, Fries Fast 5 on the first couple of games from the weekend on Saturday morning but if not have a great weekend until next time peace